Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, you know how we say it. We live, we love, we serve. Amen, beloved. Amen. I would ask that you just stand with me, remain standing as we read today's scripture. Found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18. And I'm reading in the New Revised Standard Version. Here's how it reads. Since then we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the old covenant, that same veil is still there. Since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Come on, beloved, let's pray. God, thank you. We thank you, oh God, for this day. We thank you, oh God, for this time. We're grateful that you continue every day to remind us of the benefits of your presence. For you continue to shape us. You continue to make us. You continue to mold us. And for that, oh God, we are grateful. You are the potter. We are the clay. Have your way 
in our lives, O oh God. And we have only one request. That in whatever you do, and however you do it, oh God, just get glory. Get glory, oh God. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it is in your name we pray. And we say, Amen. Amen. Let us read that scripture again. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18. And here's how it reads. Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Amen, beloved. Be seated. This morning, I want to speak briefly from the idea, the glory of freedom. The glory of freedom. This passage of the Apostle Paul written to the church in Corinth is one that for some, if they peek at it and then lean into it and then really seek to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying. For some, it is alarming, and for some, it is jarring. Because Paul is illuminating the idea that in God, that in this time, that things do shift and change. For some of us who are fixated on particular ways of being, especially in church, for those of us who sometimes only know how to adapt to that which is familiar, these words can in some ways even come across as a little offensive. Because Paul is suggesting that every now and again on this journey with God, things will shift, things will change. But when that change is ushered in by the presence of God, that change is like moving from one state of glory to another state of glory. This is what Paul is suggesting, and he does it in a way that for some, again, can seem a little dislodging and dis dislocating because what Paul is insinuating is that there's a difference between how God used to move and how God is deciding to move, especially as God moves in the ministry and even the majesty of the carpenter from Galilee. 
Paul is acknowledging this and he does so in a way that again for some is dislodging and even dislocating because he's suggesting that there was a not a time especially during the time of Moses when Moses shared the commandments from God there on Mount Sinai and the scripture says that Moses could not behold the glory of God for no one could fully appropriate the glory of God and live that Moses had to look at God with veiled faces and even when Moses declared the commandments of God the people's face had to be veiled from seeing Moses because his face was reflecting the glory of God and Paul here is saying that when they heard the word through Moses, when they received the law, when they received the commandments, they received God's word through veiled faces. Oh, I hope you can get this today, beloved. And somehow, with the movement of God, through the person and presence of the carpenter, that veil is removed. This is why in some Gospels you'll see that on the day of crucifixion when Jesus has been given as that Passover lamb that the veil in the temple was torn in half. That no longer would there be a separation between the people and God. There would no longer be the need for a mediator in the priest that the people had unmediated access to the presence of God. No longer would there be punishment for seeing the glory. No longer would there be a penalty for seeing the glory that the people of God would be able to behold the presence of God for themselves. No more constraints. No more restrictions. No more living in antiquated ways of being that undermine future possibility. That now God could be experienced in the full glory of God. Why? Because Paul drops a line that reminds us why that presence and that glory is now accessible and no longer restricted. He says in one word, one verse where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and where the presence of the Lord is there's no more constrictions no more restraints no more binding that where God's presence shows up there is freedom there is liberty what what a bold belief what a strong conviction that where the presence of the Lord is there is freedom and here we are in this month remembering our history our lineage, our legacy, knowing that the presence of the Lord was real, but freedom was not always real. This is what you got to hear today. So often when we reflect upon our forebearers, especially those who were enslaved, we miss the organic genius of our enslaved forebearers. We miss the beauty and power that was developed even in the most insane of situations. 
Can you imagine what these words must have felt like if they even heard them at all? Because these were not the kind of words that slave masters would speak. There would be no recitation of verses that would speak of freedom and liberty. And so here they were held captive and yet were being told a message and a word and a ministry that was antithetical to their very life and sustainability. And I'm almost sure they never got these words where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. But without getting them in their organic, unsophisticated way of deconstructing the insanity that they were bombarded by daily. Something in their soul knew that there was something completely antithetical to the God they knew and the institution that sought to destroy them. They knew in their hearts that the presence of God, the very essence of God, meant that something was on the horizon that was contrary to the insanity they were facing and dealing with daily. They longed for something that they knew was part of God's kingdom. They desired something they knew was part of God's kingdom, and that thing was freedom but they understood that where the spirit of the lord was yes there was freedom and there was liberty but everybody did not resonate with god's freedom there were those who sought to inflict bondage and bindings and captivity and constrictions and restraints on god's children it's amazing how when the work of oppression is completely and deeply rooted in the psyche of those who are oppressed. The oppressor's ways are no longer even necessary because then the oppressed begin to take on the ways without even understanding that they are now being reflections of those who held them captive. And they accept the bindings. Can you imagine the kind of courage it took to rebel against captivity? and harbor feelings of freedom when freedom seemed like a distant dream or a taunting nightmare. Can you imagine what they must have felt when everything in their life and all the tangible data suggested that freedom would never be possible? And yet within their bosom, they carried the echoes of freedom every day believing that there would come a moment and a time where freedom would not just be an idea, but a reality. But to make it a reality, they had to hold it close in their heart and then fight for it. A. Philip Randolph once said, freedom is never given. It is won. You must win your freedom. And I speak now in case you're confused, not with chains and bondage, I speak about the chains and images of psychological slavery because even on this day, there are some who no longer wear the chains, but they still have the chains. They do not walk around as shadow slavery, but they still have the mentality of captive. And in that moment, you no longer need the oppressor to drive home the lack of freedom. You live as though you're not free. Act as though you're not free. Behave as though you're not free. And even right now, if I speak this, there are people who are watching who have the appearance of freedom, but their mind is unfree. Because they're still languishing, believing that there are limitations on their possibilities, constraints upon who they are. And there are ceilings above their horizons. No. 
Albert Camus, the French philosopher, writer, once said, the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. Well, oh, I got to say that again. The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your existence is an act of rebellion. Can you imagine waking up in the morning so convinced of your freedom that you are an inherent rebel to the insanity that seeks to undermine you? Can you imagine being so free that your mere existence now dares to lash out against the darkness of captivity and believe that the light of freedom is dawning every possible moment? When your existence becomes a sign of freedom, then you understand. That's what I have to believe my forebearers understood, that somehow even though all the things around them were suggesting that freedom was not going to be real, they had to believe in freedom being tangible and accessible, and they understood this, and here's what they understood. Better to die fighting for freedom than be a prisoner all the days of your life. You fight for freedom, and freedom is waged in two spaces, physical bondage and psychological bondage, and you never stop fighting for the second because it's the second that does more damage than the first. See, if you bind my body but my soul is liberated, you can never have ownership of my possibilities. But if I accept the condition internally, then you have truly killed me before death comes to visit me. And that is what it means to rebel you see, the famed preacher Peter Marshall put it this way. He said, freedom is not the right to do as we please, but it's the opportunity to do what is right. It is a chance to live in the ideas that ground us, the ideas that nurture us, the ideas that galvanize our best resources to move against that which seeks to halt us. See, I've learned this in my life. The only real prison is fear. And the only real freedom is freedom from fear. See, when you understand that life is really seeking to unlearn fear and accept the love that exists around you, you realize that all your days is really a fight to be free. And part of being free is to unlearn the fear. But when you're held captive by fear, freedom seems so distant that you accept the fear and begin to build life with fear. You live in fear work in fear, breathe in fear, and you accept the conditions and constraints and restrictions that fear has built around you because you no longer desire to be free because you accept the status as it is given. But that is not what our forebearers understood. They understood that freedom songs can be sung even when the melody is misery. They understood that freedom was something that could be attained even when life was seeking to reinforce suffering and sorrow. This is why so many I talk to today, I have to remind them, you don't have to go far to find examples of what it means. We sometimes get so fearful of recounting the brutality of that miserable institution that we do not look a little closer to see the signs of hope. And I also get disappointed when I see people give up hope so easy, even in this day, what if our forebearers had given up like that? What if they had stopped believing? What if they had stopped seeing the possibilities that abound with a God who they were told that God sanctioned their misery? They heard something different, even though their lived life said the opposite. What strength, what courage, 
with audacity. They realize that without freedom, there is no real creation. I often have said in different spaces, think of the courage it took to even have children in the midst of insanity. Think about what it took to stay in fields all day while nursing children, while fathering babies. They understood that even in the midst of, again, the most insane and brutal of moments, that freedom could be experienced. They knew that they could still be captive and still be free in their minds. Because sometimes that's the most precious freedom of them all. They understood that. And what Paul is saying in this text is that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from debilitating constraints and nauseating limitations. Freedom to live in the newness of life and freedom to deconstruct the miserable moments that seek to stop humanity from flourishing. Freedom. And here we are, the offspring of that courage. And sometimes we behave as though freedom is not real. No. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And why does Paul say that? He said, because in days of old, we were veiled. We could not behold the glory. But now the veil has been lifted. And I love what Paul says. He says, when you begin to think about the glory of God, it is as if you are looking in a mirror. Pause for a second. When you see the glory of God, the glory that is apprehended in the midst of the liberty because of the presence of God's spirit. It is as if you are looking in a mirror. I hope you can get that at home. Paul says that when you look at the glory of God, the best way to see God's glory is to look in the mirror. In other words, that when you see God's glory, you see yourself. When you see yourself, you see God's glory. What does your life look like? When you do not see definitions heaped upon you, constrictions placed above you, but you see God's glory when you see yourself. And if you see the glory of God presence in your own countenance, then here's what Paul says. Every time you see the image of God reflected in your own image, you move. Here it is from one stage of glory to another stage of glory. That life becomes moving from glory to glory to glory, to glory, and every elevation of glory, you see yourself in it. What does that do? Oh, I got to believe that somebody in that distant age had to understand that no matter what they were called or considered, that they were better than that. No matter how they were brutalized or beat, that they were better than that. That they saw in themselves a reason to keep on striving and to keep on living and to keep on surviving and to make ways where there was no way and to rebel against the insanity. That was their life. How dare you not take that freedom seriously? How dare you not lean into the glory? How do you allow your feelings to be held captive by people who don't recognize the glory in your own face? No, beloved, where the spirit of the Lord is, 
there is freedom. Freedom to what? To see the glory of God in my own reflection. What does freedom in that regard mean? Well, here's the glorified freedom. When you experience freedom in that way, you are free from constraints designed to dehumanize you. In other words, how you, how you see me does not have to be accepted by me. That how you seek to define me and use those definitions to eclipse me do not hold grounding in how I see myself. I hope you hear this, beloved. That there comes a point when you are so free that you are free from definition, free from constraints heaped upon you by people who don't even know you. How would you be held captive at the ideas of mystery people who don't know you to assess how you are? No, no, it is not arrogant. The next time someone tries to tell you who you are, how you are, and what you can be, tell them you forgot you're looking at the glory of God. The next time there are people who try to undermine who you are, you let them know that when you look at me, don't think you're looking at just what you see. You see a reflection of God's glory. In other words, I'm free to see God's reflection when I look at myself. And what confidence and what courage does that build when I know that every move I make, I move in the glory of God. Every step I take, I step with the glory of God. And whenever I pass by a mirror, I get a glimpse of God's glory in my own spirit. Where the free spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But that liberty is not freedom from only, it's freedom to. It's freedom to live in the imagination of a cosmic God who is unrestrained by, his own, by God's own imagination. It is freedom to bask in the overflow of God's glory that resonates in my very being and body. It is freedom to declare wherever I go that when you see me, you see God. And when you see God, you see me. In other words, when I see God's glory reflected in me and I look upon another being, I see no difference. It's glory looking at glory. It's glory beholding glory. And what would it look like if everywhere we went, we understood that each and every one of us are reflections of the glory of God. When you wake up in the morning, the first person you see tomorrow Here's what you do. Good morning, glory. Oh, I wish you can get that. When you make your way down to work tomorrow, no matter who you see, don't say good morning. You say good morning, glory. And they won't understand. They think you're talking about God or some esoteric idea. No, say I'm talking to you. You reflect God and I reflect God and we reflect one another. And every move we make together is going from one stage of glory to another stage of glory. It is the glory of freedom. It is the glory of untethered living. It is the glory of not being shackled by assumptions. It is the glory that deconstructs antiquated ways of thinking. It is the glory that seeks to assault the houses that fear have built. It is the glory that stands as a living witness and testimony to the presence and power and provision of an amazing and mighty God. I know 
that we celebrate so much during this month. But what about celebrating the glory of freedom? What does it look like when you can actually say something our forebearers couldn't say in the physical? You wake up every day free and you make a choice to choose chains. Why make that choice when freedom is all around? Why constrain yourself when you reflect the glory of God? Why limit yourself when you reflect the glory of God? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if the Spirit is in me, that means I live in freedom. Always. I walk in freedom. I talk in freedom. Freedom's language is imprinted in my psyche and on my heart. I soar in freedom. I understand that the only one who can truly hold me captive is me. No one has that kind of power unless I give it. And why would you give it when you are the glory? Why would you relinquish it when you are a reflection of God's glory? No, I do not relinquish. I do not surrender. I bask in it. God, I thank you that I was birthed on the other side of the word let. Oh, I hope you get that. I was born on the other side of permissiveness. Every fiber of my being strikes in the key of freedom. The essence of my humanity is revealed in God's glory. Why would you relinquish that to manufactured ideas, outdated concepts, antiquated myths? Uh-uh. You can never convince me that I'm inferior when I live in the glory. You can never make me feel less than when I know where freedom lives. Freedom lives at my address where I move and everywhere I go freedom finds habitation in my spirit oh. too many people spill blood for me to still act bound too many lives Taken. Too many women raped. Too many men castrated for me to still act bound where the Spirit of the Lord is. I dare to be free.
I want to fly in the space where my dreams live. I want to dwell in the tabernacle of God's imagination. I want to live in the glory of God. We have unveiled lives and we can see God as in a mirror, face to face, glory to glory, freedom to freedom. All of that is in you, beloved. And don't you ever forget that. Come on, lean in a little bit. Let's talk to God. The truth is, oh God, that we should never designate a month to remember. Our memory should be alive every day. Remember those who, whose survival skills gave us life. You know, God, forgive those among us who say sometimes that surviving is not enough. Well, for our forebearer, survival was life. And their survival was a witness to our possibility. I thank you for their strength. I thank you for their dreams. I thank you for their capacity to have vision. Even when they had it through blurred eyes. I thank you, oh God, that they mixed their bleeding with belief. They mixed their wounds with worship. And they knew that their power could always override their pain. I thank you for them. We stand as the embodiment of their greatest aspirations and their deepest desires. We are the fruit of their ambition. We thank you, God, for them. Now, our task is to not just remember, but to reclaim that spirit. Remember and reclaim and be fortified in this moment. Weapons will come. But our presence suggests that weapons won't always work. Thank you, God, for this reminder. For this peace. For this joy. For this remembrance. And for those lives who have gone on before ours. May we never stop telling the children. Because if we stop telling our children the stories, the memories will fade. 
So like the children of Israel, oh God, we will write the story on their foreheads, in their hands, on our doorposts. We will not be ashamed of captivity because in the midst of it, we saw strength. We will tell the stories not of the chains, but of the liberation. Not of the bondage, but of the fighting spirit. Because if we stop telling that story, then the oppressors truly won. truth is, oh God, in our moments of quiet solitude, I'm still amazed by their fortitude. My soul looks back in wonder how we got over. But I know it's because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. And thank you for those who went on before. Who planted seeds. Whose fruit we now partake of. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. We say, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.